Welcome to Analyst Talk with Jason Elder. It's like coffee with an analyst, or it could be whiskey with an analyst reading a spreadsheet, linking crime events, identifying a series, and getting the latest scoop on association news and training. So please don't beat that analyst and join us as we define the law enforcement analysis profession one episode at a time. Thank you for joining me. I hope many aspects of your life are progressing. My name is Jason Elder, and today we are doing the wrap-up show for 2022. And with me, as always, is Mindy Yoon. Mindy, how are we doing? Good. Hi, everyone. It's a disembodied voice that you hear only once a year. <laughs> yeah. Long time, no talk. <laughs> Excited. Right. Another full year completed. So this is the wrap-up show. If you've never heard one of our wrap-up shows, this is where Mindy talks about some of the best moments and best guests of the year. And we are going to introduce a new call-in segment to the show. It's called Don't Be That Supervisor. So if you have a Don't Be That Supervisor, get your calls in now. We also have another segment that's new for this year, which is One More Word, where we're going to hear from past guests, and they're going to give us one more word, an update on where they are now since they've been on the show. First off, though, Mindy, I wanted to review this year. We had a really good year with the podcast. Every Monday, we produced an episode, which I am really proud of. The fact that we've been so consistent. We hit our 100th episode, which you made me do the 100th episode because you couldn't think (laughs) of anybody else. (laughs) I was going to say, yeah, man, the 100th episode was a while ago. I forgot who we had on. Some old guy. Yeah, yeah. The lowest rated of the year. So it was a little odd being on the other side of the table and talking so much because in these episodes, I don't actually do that much talking. (laughs) And so I always tell people, I was like, my name's on the show, but I'm not usually the reason people are listening. It's usually whoever the guest is that particular week. But I was the particular guest on the 100th episode. So it was just like everybody else that tells me, it was a lot of fun to reminisce, to think back how I got started, some of the high points of my career as a law enforcement analyst. Yeah. And just for everyone who's curious, and if you're wondering, like, yes, it was on the table for Jason to be both the host and the guest, <laughs> and he talked to himself just i forgot that we talked about doing that where i was going to record the questions and the answers all and and merge them together that would have been really obnoxious to hear my voice talk to myself for an hour yeah and just like (laughs) pretending to be shocked like whoa that's really what you Uh, did that's how you started the long That's that's way impressive. That's more the most impressive thing I've ever heard on this show. (laughs) Also this year, we won some awards. Uh, This was the year that we got recognized for the podcast. I won the ILEA President Award. And the funny story about that, I go to the ILEA conference, which was in Dallas, and you know, Sheila Dorn invited me and, and just had all the accommodations set up for me. And I thought, wow, that's really nice. And I was not thinking anything of it. They have their award ceremony on Monday. Well, I, with my schedule, I decided not to come in till Tuesday. 
So I missed the award ceremony where this was giving out because, again, they want it to be a surprise and I had no idea. And if I read the room better, I probably would have picked up that, hey, maybe they were going to give me an award and I should have known that. But I didn't. In hindsight, it probably worked out well because they did have my name misspelled on the original award. So Sheila had to send me a new one anyway. But I was shocked. I did not expect to get the President's Award for Ayalia. Straight to receive that award and to get the recognition and have Sheila speak so highly of the podcast. Yeah, and I forgot what the exact timeline was, but I think I knew before you knew, but I don't think I was supposed to know, so I didn't tell you. Kristen and I were talking and something about you getting the president's reward, and I was like, what are you talking about? Like, Kristen, you got the president's reward because I thought she was talking about IACA. Oh, yeah. And she's like, no, Jason won it for Ayalia. And I was like, oh, he didn't tell me. Does he know that he won? <laughs> so I arrived on Tuesday to the conference and I didn't find out, I don't think, until Wednesday night when somebody, somebody congratulated me for winning the award. And then, of course, I felt foolish because I was like, oh. I wasn't here for the award ceremony, and I really wish I was. I, the, I'll have to put a picture of the award in the show notes because it's it's pretty impressive. And then for IACA, I won the Brian Hill Memorial Scholarship Award, which that that was really awesome. I'm not going to be a good poet here, and and really be able to articulate how I felt. But if you listen to the show long enough, you've known that Brian was my one and only pen pal and that we started chatting on the listserv decades ago. And he and I would exchange so many ideas. He would write these five paragraph essays explaining his viewpoints and dropping so much knowledge. And it wasn't until I think two years after we were emailing back and forth that I met him for the first time. And it really is the only time that I felt that I had a pen pal. It's awesome to receive this award and uh, Brian is truly missed and had so much great contributions to the profession. I highly recommend if you go to the IACA conference, go to the award ceremony, there is a memorial video that I created and produced that talks about all of Brian's contributions. And it's a truly an honor to receive his award and to be put in really the same breath as Brian. Yeah. For those who haven't had the chance to see it, I mean, I saw it the first year you put it out when Don won the award and then the second time again when you received it. And I unfortunately never knew Brian, but I, I felt like I did seeing that video. And like, like I said, the second time I saw it, I also got teary, which is weird because I'm like, I don't know this person, but at least for me, I felt like, I felt like I missed out, but it was nice that you were able to put together such a nice video. And, you know, I watched people around the room. And like I said, even people I know, this is the second time they've seen it. They definitely got teary. And I remember Danelle coming up, you know, presenting it. She was also teary giving out the award too. So yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. yeah I'm a, I'm a snot. I, I told them that I don't want it 
release publicly. I want people, if you want to see the video, be at the IACA conference and be at the award ceremony. I really, truly think that that's the best way. Get all in one room and just have a watch party with it each and every year. And I think that's the best way to uh, us as a collective to come together for five minutes and remember Brian. Yeah. You mentioned Don. I poked fun at Don for beating me last year. But if you're going to lose to somebody, lose to somebody that's a rock star like Don Reby. So and it's an honor to be in the class of people that have won that award. Also this year, Seth Potts has his how-to videos on YouTube as we're trying to establish the YouTube channel more. It's small steps with Seth Potts. Every Tuesday, he comes up with a three to five minute video of stuff that you may not have known about Excel. And it's been a really good product for us. And it comes out every Tuesday. So check those out. And if you have something that you want Seth to go over, email us at leapodcasts at gmail.com and we'll certainly get Seth on it. That or if you're already on YouTube, just leave a comment in one of the videos. Like we don't get a lot of comments, so we're gonna look at all of them. So Yeah. We got lots of places that on all our social media too that we always publish on. So there's there's various ways to be able to contact us. Another product that we have this year, the Osborne tapes, the re-release of Debbie Osborne's Analyst Corner podcast. So if you caught Debbie's episode, you know that she had maybe the first law enforcement analysis podcast back in 2008, 2009. Well, in talking to Debbie, the folks that were housing her podcast no longer wanted to host the podcast. So her podcasts were going to get lost. So we decided to re-release them and ingrain them into LEA podcasts. And Kathleen Allen, who is a researcher for LEA podcasts, hosted the re-release where she listened to the episode, gave her point of view as a 20-something year old, talks about what's changed and what stayed the same. We are almost through all the episodes re-releasing, and we're actually going to be working on a wrap-up episode in which Kathleen and Debbie are going to be on the episode talking about their different perspectives. Hey, Jason. Yeah. Want to feel old? Oh, go ahead. <laughs> go ahead. Oh. I graduated high school in 09. Oh, wow. <laughs> so when those oh, podcasts came out. You were in high school. Yeah, <laughs> man. Yeah, well, I am old man elder. I just, so I, I usually feel older than I do anyway. So, but man, 2008, 2009. Yeah. yeah. See, I didn't know we were that far apart in age. I graduated in 95. So I like didn't. Three years old, four yeah. years old. So, yeah, so if you haven't checked out any of the Osborne tapes, I highly recommend them because they have a lot of relevancy for today. All right. I've certainly have talked enough, so I want to turn it over to Mindy and talk about what she believes is the best moments of the year. 
Yeah, so just a little throwback to a couple years ago when we first started, we forgot what episodes we were on, but we put out a survey asking people what topics would they like us to cover if they have any recommendations for guests on our show. And I remember one feedback that stood out to me was like, hey, can you do interviews on like other people who are like not rock stars? And I just, I didn't know how to, I didn't know how to interpret that feedback. Cause I'm like, who's going to come on here and be like, Hey, I'm like a really shitty analyst. Like, <laughs> like who's going to do that? You know? But I, I thought about it more and they're saying, I, this is how I'm interpreting it. If you're the person who gave that feedback two years ago and you want to correct me, please do. But the way I interpret it was like, you're, we're interviewing all these retirees or people who have three, four decades of experience. Like the show is meant to capture all those moments and history and not get them lost. But what I was interpreting was that they wanted more younger people, more people with just one, two, three, four, whatever years of experience where they're just starting off. Like this is a new generation of analysts. Like we want to hear their stories. So I just picked out a, a few. So I, I picked out Alex Lynch's episode. This was way back. I want to say like in January, Alex Lynch, our rising star, Jessica Ellsmore, we had her episode. And then more recently, we had Amanda Burner, whom I'm guessing they're all in their 20s and 30s. So right. hopefully that that fulfills that person who gave us a feedback of, you know, all these people. And don't get me wrong, these three that I just listed and others on the younger end of the spectrum, they're all rock stars to me. But I, I get it that we want to hear from younger people, from people who just started out in their career. How did they get it? Because the job market as it is now is different than what it was back then. I mean, arguably listening to people who first trailblazed the profession, they had a much harder time trying to break in us, you know, on the younger end, we comparably had an easier time breaking into the profession. So, you know, thank you for all those initial trailblazers. But mm -hmm. yeah, it, it, it's nice to hear from people who have less than, you know, 10 years or five years experience to see how it's different and then, you know, compare those episodes, compare the stories from those with like 30 years of experience and those with maybe three years experience. Yeah. And I think the person that was making the comment also didn't want all the people that were already well known. Certainly when you go to an IACA conference or an IALEA conference or read any publications, the same names can come up over and over and over again. And so I think what the person was wanting is just not the same old voices names that they always hear get people that are newer or haven't had their name plastered everywhere for the past decade and that goes along with with what you said and i think charlie Giberti did us a huge favor because he offered to give us his analyst of tomorrow which was a list of analysts that he thought we're really just a couple of years into the profession, but he thought that they were going to be big influencers in the years to come. So he gave us that list and then that was nice because all of them, I believe all but maybe one, we were able to get on the show this year. So we do have all those analysts of tomorrow that he talked about, which I think all of them had less than four or five years of law enforcement analysis experience. Some people will tell me, they'll say, oh, I don't have enough to talk about. 
or they'll be like, oh, I'm not going to be interesting, or I don't think what I have to offer will be meaningful to anybody. And so, and that's never been the case, and it's not the case for anybody, to be honest with you. So it's, but this was an opportunity to talk to somebody who is fairly new in their profession and to see why Charlie named them the Analysts of Tomorrow. Yeah, and Charlie's episode was another one that I put on my list of, I guess, best moments, is I like his episode, in addition to giving us additional guests, (laughs) is the topic of pay disparity. I feel like that's, one, that's not something we teach in school. That's not something we talk about. Like, pay is a taboo subject. Like, I feel like it's less taboo with, I don't know, my generation and the generation after me. Like, we're more of like, okay, how much do you make? And I'm just using that information so then it gives me some negotiation power. It isn't so much of like a competition, anything like that. But the talk of pay traditionally is taboo. People don't just go around telling people how much they make, right? But it is important to have those conversations, especially we kind of know like the private sector, you're going to make more than the public sector, but we go into the public sector wanting to make our community better, wanting to, wanting to do all these, what's the word? It is, it escapes me, but you know, we go into it with these ideals and we're not going in into it, making money, but with so many things increasing, you know, real estate, food, grocery, gas, all that stuff that's been happening in the past year, like, pay is important. You know what I mean? Like you don't want to go in with a master's degree and just starting at like what 40 K a year. (laughs) So, I mean, it also depends what state you're in, of course, and your experience and all this stuff, but it's important to think about those things. And I don't know if anybody else has had this feeling and I don't think it's intentional, but for whatever reason, just kind of subconsciously, I just go in and thinking like, well, I'm quote unquote, just a civilian, like I'm not an officer, I'm not putting my life on the line. I'm not, I don't have a gun or anything like that. Like I should make less or something like, you know, it's like, I'm talking down to myself and I'm just kind of accepting that pay while I'm in that same breath denying the other education and experience I do have, you know, I'm just like, I guess I do just deserve 40,000 a year or something like that. But obviously that's changed as I gain more experience and you know, work in the professional realm more. And yeah, after listening to Charlie's episode about the space, the pay disparity, like I'm hoping more people advocate for themselves, seek for higher pay and not just be complacent with whatever, you know, your agency gives you. Because how often do agencies do, what what do they call it? Like, like a pay? Cost of living you know? increase or, or where you survey the city to see what, other people like like yeah that are, that are doing similar work as you get, are getting paid yeah like that like the kind of like a forget what that's called yeah oh my god it's just like escaping my mind but like you know kind of like a income evaluation see if you're actually mm-hmm. being paid at least average across you know either your state or the country like are you making it like i don't know what the average is i across yeah. the entire country is going to be huge because what people make in say new york compared to, I don't know, Arkansas or something, I'm sure, you know, cost of living differs. So there's going to be, you know, a difference in that. But yeah, I I just thought that episode was important because of that. Like, we don't go into this looking to get rich, but we do need to live, right? And I did talk to Don Reby, 
at the conference and she was telling me that she has folks that she's counseling that want to make closer to a hundred thousand a year and she is working with them on how they can build up to that and to show their worth and just the opposite of what you were talking about just not being complacent saying oh i'm not this i'm only this type type of mentality yeah i like i said i don't know if, i don't know if i'm articulating it correctly but it's just you know like when you go this is sad but when you become a teacher when you go into social work when you go into public service government like you just kind of know like you're not going into this to get rich you're going to make whatever they give you it's government work like it's kind of non-negotiable like i forgot if i shared with you but when i switched over to my position at the state like i was negotiating up and down like i read all the books look up all the youtube you know practice in the mirror trying <laughs> to get my negotiation face on you know and <laughs> and I, I was also in kind of a privileged position because I already had a job. I just wanted another job. So it wasn't like I'm in this, like, oh, I need this job. I wasn't a, mm -hmm. in a, for lack of better words, a desperate position. So it's a good position to be in when you're negotiating. And my, my obviously I took the job, but my, my current team and director, they, they could have very well told me to go pound sand, but they were very, they, they were receptive to it. They weren't angry at me. They weren't, you know, that that's the fear, right? When you're negotiating and you're pushing so much that, the employer just be like, no, we're not giving you this much, like go somewhere else. We can hire somebody else for half the price or, you know, cheaper, whatever the base is. And one thing that my job, you know, I, I take their word for it. I don't see why they would lie to me, but they were saying, because we're a government agency, we're kind of bound. Like we can only give you up to X percentage. We can't really give you what you're asking for because we're a public entity. And I never worked in the private sector. I don't know if that's the case for private sector, but with public, I mean, whatever is the low end, even if they give you a range, you just start at the low end, despite your experience and education, you just everybody starts at the low end and you work your way up. Like that's just how it is in the public sector. And yeah. I don't know if hmm. that's just here or if it's the same everywhere else. I mean, aside from like education bonus, maybe language bonuses, but yeah, yeah. Well, two thoughts on that. Mm -hmm. One is I want to see your negotiation face. So you are going to have to send me that selfie. And the second thing is, this was in Charlie's episode. He talked about, like, they'll tell you that, that they can't do anything. But all it takes is an executive to make the decision, right? They can make anything happen, truly. And that was Charlie's point. Mm -hmm. is is that they will tell you that it's just this but it's there there is options you just have to convince them that they need to go above where they are to to make it happen yeah uh, all right all right who else is on your list yeah i had it kind of built upon what you mentioned earlier about seeing the same names and such but i was really excited to see dr rachel Boba Santos be a yes. guest on the show because like I mean she's she wrote all the books right like anybody who <laughs> went to crime analysis school certificate program like we read her book like I am teaching right now and I am in addition to the IEC book I'm using a book that Dr. Santos wrote so yeah. it, it was exciting to see her name as a guest and listening to her episode so even though we saw her name everywhere I, I still got excited yeah it was nice to have her on she is one of my in, in my top 10 
of most influential to the IACA. So I think she is the, I think that, I think I've had everybody on the top 10 on the show now. So it was nice to complete that loop and certainly her perspective. And what I remember most from that episode is her saying that an, a new chief should not mean that your job changes. Like the analyst role and job description should be part of the standard operating procedure. And it shouldn't, with a new chief, you shouldn't have this total new direction for your job. And I, that's what I took away from what she's written about in her textbooks with her husband. It's interesting and to think about that because it is, I think a lot of people just expect new, new chief, new rules. And, but what Rachel would say is it, it should not be the case. Like it, it should be ingrained in the policy, what the analysts are to do. Yeah. And I think it, I think that builds into my next guess. I, I thought that Jonathan Sofleet's episode was really good about kind of that point of how to say no and just kind mm -hmm. of speaking to that. Because like you said, just because you get a new chief, new boss, doesn't mean that you just have to change everything that you've been doing and learning how to say no and establishing those boundaries, I think was very important, especially as newer analysts, you know, when you go into a new agency, it's like, you're, you're a new girl, you're a new guy, like you're a new person. You don't want to rock the boat. You don't want to stir up trouble. Like you're just there kind of learning the ropes. So I, I understand that from the experience of being a new person and just kind of, okay, just doing what you're told kind of thing. And especially being the new person, like, oh, nobody even knows me yet. Like, I don't want people to not like me because they ask <laughs> me in the bulletin and I say no, because they're giving me like this crappy photo of like, you know, headlights in the dark or something. And <laughs> I can't, I can't do anything about it, you know? So yeah, no, those two episodes, I, I think is very important and very impactful, especially for newer analysts who are hesitant and more reserved. And that also <laughs> builds into another episode that I, I liked this past year was Jenny Sang's episode about imposter syndrome and overcoming that shyness. Cause again, I, I mean, I, talk to you about this offline before where I'm despite what six seven eight years in I'm still having that imposter syndrome of like do I do I belong here do I know what I'm talking about and this is very bad especially since you know I teach <laughs> <laughs> passing on this I'm like do I actually know what I'm doing am I teaching the right things to my students am I setting people up for failure but no going back to you know being like the new person of an agency and wanting to establish a good reputation and one that people not only like but respect and trust you know so no th those those three episodes i thought were really good yeah and i and then jenny's her art is impressive so again if you go to the show notes you can find her her website and find her art in addition to her contributions to the profession she also has contribution to the art world and All then right. <laughs> So I, I I only have a few more. Another funny one I had was I had Seth 
episode. And the reason why it's funny is because Seth got into the profession because of Sabrina, but then we interviewed Seth before we interviewed <laughs> <him>. <laughs> And she let me have it. She really did at the conference. She's like, how did you have my husband on before me? And I, you know, in hindsight, I definitely should have had her on first. So, but I did mention that in her episode that I had I made a mistake and I was sorry. <laughs> But yeah, no, those were my my list of moments that I thought were memorable. Yeah. I mean, there were so many to pick from. It was hard to just kind of narrow down yeah. to like top 10. So yeah. anybody I didn't mention, I'm sorry. I, I, I listened to every episode. I learned something from every episode. I enjoyed every episode. But for <laughs> brevity, we have to keep yeah. it under 10. So One funny one is Brian Napolitano. And it's mainly funny for me be, is because we had a typo on on the his title to initially initially we had him as down his brain and I couldn't figure out how to change it. I could certainly change it on the web page, but I couldn't figure it out on the how to change the link. So his URL still says brain Napolitana, which is <laughs> just funny of course we he's the one that pointed that out not not anybody on our team so it, everybody missed it until ryan so that was a little bit embarrassing but it's also funny that there that you could still see that in the url all right well as mindy said that you know there's each and every one of these episodes that we have this year are there's different aspects and different points of view and it's always great to get the different perspectives and but anyway hey if there's an episode or a person that we didn't mention leave us a comment in the comment section all right so we do have a new segment to the show it's don't be that supervisor so it's the sibling to don't be that analyst it's a call-in segment where people talk about stuff that they've seen a supervisor do but really shouldn't all right. So before we get started, Mindy, do you have a don't be that supervisor? Hmm. No. My <laughs> don't be that supervisor, and I've talked about this on the show before, is when I was at Cincinnati Police Department, I was brought into a meeting and had no idea that my annual evaluation was going to go on. And that's what was given to me. So I walked into a meeting, not knowing it even was a one on one meeting with my direct supervisor but then proceeded to give me my evaluation and then nitpick over the most ridiculous things in the evaluation. And at Cincinnati, just like in Ohio, it's public record. So anybody can do a records request to find my annual review. So don't be that supervisor that doesn't let your employees know that they're going to do an annual review. That's Yeah, actually, I, I have one. I mean, like you and I, you know, we're friends about the same level, but, you know, kind of see you as my supervisor on this podcast. Don't be that supervisor that just asks a question to your staff when they're unprepared to answer it, especially on a recording. Now I feel so unprepared. So I did let you know that we were doing this segment. You didn't, you didn't say that I'm going to be a part of it. Like I have to oh. give my insights. I, was, I thought we were just going to listen and then talk about uh, geez, it. Jeez, you got to anticipate. <laughs> Right. No, I actually, you know, I, I do have one now that I got a little more time to think about it. And I honestly, I get this is a joke and 
people say, I expect it from my colleagues, but I don't expect it from my supervisor. Don't be that supervisor who like when your employee comes back from vacation and be like, oh, look who decided to show up to work. I don't know, like those snide comments, like I get it that it's a joke, but coming from a supervisor, like for me, I'm just like, should I have not gone on vacation? Should I not (laughs) taken sick leave? Should I not go on training or whatever it is? Like, why are you joking like this? Like, am I in trouble? Like, we don't have that kind of relationship. Like, why are you making this joke? Like, so I feel like supervisors like understand, you know, what kind of rapport you have with your staff before you start making these quote unquote jokes. Cause I don't know, it's just like people who overthink like me, I'm just like, Oh, am I in trouble? Like, what what do I do? Like, do I joke back? Like finger guns? Like, how do I respond to this? (laughs) Finger guns. That's it. Finger (laughs) guns. That's that when in doubt, finger guns. Yeah, pretty much. So, all right. So, we have callers lined up. First on the line is Mary. Mary, what's your don't be that supervisor? Hey, don't be that supervisor that takes credit for what your folks do. Give your folks a pat on the back, give them the encouragement, pump them up in front of everybody else. Do not take their work as your own. Yeah. Yeah, that is, it should go without saying that you don't do that. I think that's also goes into the level of micromanaging and that everything has to go up through one direction. And are you actually part of these meetings? And when your supervisor is reporting up, how are they describing the progress of the reports? You should never take credit for work that you didn't do at any level. And I've been fortunate. I had an opportunity to talk to Mary about leadership and management. And I've unfortunately never had the opportunity to be in a supervisor role. But one thing that she has taught me to build upon what she just said was, you want to reward people in public, but if you do need to give them feedback, do it in private. Like don't embarrass anybody. Oh, you know, yeah. don't, embarrass, don't embarrass people in front of their teammates. Don't embarrass people in front of like, that's not necessary. You know, like you don't need to do that. And I really appreciate it. I'm like, that makes sense. I do have a question though. Like I said, I'm mm-hmm. not experienced as a supervisor. Obviously don't take credit for work that you didn't do. But when shit hits the fan, as a leader, do you take all the blunt or do you say like, yeah, no, that was Mindy. Like Mindy did all that bad analysis work. Like that's her. Is that what you do? Not to say that you throw your employees under the bus. I mean, don't do that either. But like we were saying, like, don't take credit where credit's not due. But what about when it's blame? What do you do when it's blame? You know, I think it's interesting because I have a tendency when something does go wrong to talk about it in meetings, right? And to say, okay, this is what went wrong. This is how we're going to fix it. And this is how we're going to move on. Sometimes that does need to go into particulars. And that's just my tendency. But I've talked to other leaders who say that sometimes it, it just doesn't matter. It doesn't matter who did what what you really need to do is talk about how it's going to get fixed and how to prevent it from happening again. Really, all you need to say is it's been addressed and we've put in measures to prevent it in the future. Thanks. As an employee, <laughs> I usually just take the blame for everything. <laughs> I, just, I just have a guilty conscience. I just say, I'm sorry. 
for whatever yeah. happened. I'll take the blame for it. I don't know yeah. why I'm like it. Yeah, it's like you have a blameable face. <laughs> <laughs> it's probably my fault somehow. <laughs> yeah, it's, that, it's that negotiation face of yours. Right, right. Uh, all right. Next on the line is Jennifer. Jennifer, what's your don't be that supervisor? Don't be that supervisor that micromanages. Oh, there we go. So micromanaging. So that is definitely something that you shouldn't do. I think micromanaging occurs with new folks or control freaks. I think that's the two types of people that I've seen micromanage. Usually new supervisors, they might do that in the beginning, but they do have a tendency to eventually not micromanage so much. But the ones that are the control freaks, those are the ones that most likely are not going to change. Unfortunately, that can be rough because I don't think too many people like to be micromanaged. I know I don't. I struggle with it if someone's going to micromanage me. I work better when I have freedom to work with my clients directly and not have to go through a supervisor in order to talk to clients. I know I do way better with that than if than if I have somebody that I have to constantly report up to every second of every day. Yeah, I mean, I'm the same way. I don't like being micromanaged. Like you said, most people don't like being micromanaged. And I think the other thing about micromanaging is more on like a subconscious level. It's like, when you micromanage me, you're sending me the message that you don't trust me to do my work. And it's like, why'd you even hire me? Like, if you don't trust me to do my work, like I'm an adult, I'm a professional, like I don't need you to hold my hand. But I, I guess a couple of things I have a question on is like, if you are middle management, right? And you have somebody above you that's a micromanager, you're not a micromanager, but the person above you is. And that unfortunately leaks onto the people that you supervise. So where do you find that balance, I guess, to appease the micromanager above you, but also not stress out the, your employees, your analysts below you? Yeah, that certainly does happen. And if you're in that rock in the hard place position, you probably are going to have to do some level of micromanaging just because it's being asked of you from your direct report. I don't know if I have an easy, simple answer for that. In that case, I would be really inconsistent with my micromanaging. Like sometimes I would do it and sometimes I'd be like, hey, like, do we really need to do, let's, I would probably be consistently trying to come up with a middle ground, trying to talk with the manager to say, I think we can allow these folks to have some freedom. Let's see how they do on their own without being so controlling. I think yeah. that's the way I would approach it. That makes sense. And I, you mentioned middle ground and that was going to be my next question of like, where is, like I said, I don't have experience in this. So where is the balance between micromanaging and being too laissez-faire? Like, it's like, does my supervisor even care about me? Like they don't check in with me. They don't oh. care. I mean, it's, it's, it's great that they trust me, but they, they don't check in. So it, like, is there a more tangible advice that you have? Like maybe check in once a week or send me an email every other day. Or like, wh wh where is that balance, do you think? Well, you should be having 
one-on-one -on -one meetings with your direct supervisor if, whether that's weekly or bi-weekly i won't think i would go more than bi-weekly that you should be having one-on-ones with your supervisor talking about your projects talking about anything that is about to go on it should not be one of those things that you're just out there on your own doing whatever there's definitely should be some conversations going back and forth yeah no that makes sense and <laughs> i'm just asking for educational purposes i was going to say i i want to say it also depends on the relationship you have with your supervisor as well like for me i with like google and stuff i chat with my supervisor maybe daily or every other day just to check in be like hey i'm working on this and maybe monthly we do like a video call like this or just to check in like that but i'm pretty happy with that like for me like i don't want to be on camera i don't want to talk <laughs> for hours I want, that's why we work on a podcast right we don't want to be right. on video and that's true. so i it also depends too on people's comfort level what they like some people are more talkative and want to have that social interaction for me i'm just like i'll shoot you an email i'll shoot you a text like we're good right like i'm good you good so all right good deal all right Next on the line is Annette. Annette, what's your don't be that supervisor? Don't be that supervisor that forgets where you came from. We've all done this job. Sometimes you promote within, sometimes you come from another agency, but don't forget that we've all done the same job at some point in time. Hmm. I, I think that's interesting because I've, I've talked to several guests who got promoted within and how they handled going from having coworkers one day to then being their coworkers direct reports the next day. So being going from analyst to supervisor, and it certainly is a transition period. So in this case, I can understand it going both ways because in, in one respect, I think if you are a analyst turned supervisor well you're an you were an analyst you know exactly what the job entails so you might have a higher expectation of what your employees can and can't do as opposed to somebody that's supervising analysts that have never done the analyst job but at the same time to Annette's point is just remember that you know at, at some point in time you were there doing that work and just don't don't forget that you know certain things happen mistakes can be made and and that you shouldn't be expect perfection yeah and i mean i haven't ha had the opportunity to be in that particular scenario whether as a supervisor or the employee but i'd imagine i mean if we if your agency promotes within and it's somebody who's potentially been there longer i mean as long as there's still like the shared level of respect like nobody's like the, the person who got promoted isn't like you know power tripping or whatever it's called like it's like i'm your supervisor you know bow down to me like not like that and i think as long as people are still respectful, especially in meetings, like when you go to patrol briefings and stuff, like if, if that's your colleague, that's your friend, like sure. But in this particular situation, they're your, they're, they're your supervisor, you know, give that extra level of respect and not talk down or talk to them, you know, too friendly, I guess I would imagine. But yeah, I, I 
don't know how that would work out, but I just assume people usually default to being more respectful. So. Mm. All right. And last caller, last on the line is Jonathan. Jonathan, what's your don't be that supervisor? Don't be that supervisor that reads an article about different types of bad managers and takes as a challenge to be every single one of them. You can't micromanage, macromanage, be a toxic and a hostile work environment and expect your co like your workers not to mutiny on you. I just I'm just getting my only reaction is to laugh. I don't I don't I am glad I have no idea what he's talking about because I can't imagine one person being all those things. I yes, but it's I feel like they come in like kind of subtle ways. So I relate to what John said. I don't know if I ever shared this with you, but I was fortunate that my previous jobs and, you know, that I've held before, like they invested in my leadership because I told them, you know, like, oh, what do you want to be when you grow up? Or, you know, what are your five years plans, whatever. And my default answer was like, well, one day I would like to run my own analyst unit. So they would send me to all these, you know, leadership management, civilian leadership, whatever you want to call it. And I would come back and I would be like so pissed off <laughs> because like you learn about these things like, oh, like basic stuff, right? Like be nice to your employees. And then you hear about, you know, sergeants, commanders, whatever, supervisors just being like John said, like toxic to their employees. And you're just like, did we go to the same training? Like, why is this happening? Like, why are you like this? You've really taken that challenge to be a bad man. No, but Yeah. Same, same with you. I'm just imagining just one person, but I feel like, like you were saying, like one person's not going to be like a collective of every bad thing, but you know, that saying of like, oh, people don't quit jobs. They just like quit bad bosses and stuff. And we have this segment for a reason, right? I'm sure everybody has that one story that they want to share. So yeah, I'm sure a lot of people can relate. Yeah. So that is our new segment, Don't Be That Supervisor. So if you have a Don't Be That Supervisor and you want to share it with us on the show, you can email us at leapodcasts at gmail.com. All right, Mendy, let's move on to our segment, One More Word. And this is where we have asked past guests to give us an update as we finish out 2022. So first off, we have... Amanda Bruner, who had this to say. Since the previous podcast episode, I started a new position with the CNA Corporation as an associate research analyst. I am currently serving as an embedded crime analyst supporting the Crime Analyst in Residence, or CAR, program that is sponsored by the Bureau of Justice Assistance. As 2023 approaches, myself and the rest of the Carolinas Crime Analysis Association board are diligently planning for our first conference independent from the North Carolina Gang Investigators Association. CCAA will host its third annual training conference at the Upstate Crime Analysis Center in Greenville, South Carolina from March 30th through 31st. Dependent on submissions, the CCAA board hopes to coordinate a conference program, including featured speakers, breakout sessions, and hands-on computer training. As of now, our program will include Annie Mitchell, Mike Winslow, and Charlie Chaberti as featured speakers. To register, please visit carolinascrimeanalysis.org. This semester, I will be teaching two crime analysis courses for Radford University, one for the University of South Carolina Upstate, and one for the University of North Carolina at Charlotte. In 2022, I learned that with growth comes change, and I am very excited about my new endeavor and optimistic that in 2023, 
more agencies will work to institutionalize crime analysis into their daily operations. All right. So that's quite an update from Amanda. So she, is, of course, was one of the analysts of tomorrow. It's no surprise that she has quite an update since she's been on the show. I love Amanda. Like, she is so composed. She's so professional. Like, I had the opportunity to watch her teach at this past conference, and she's like the adult I strive to be, and we're like the same age. <laughs> like, no, it, and it's, it's funny. So, that class, I'm also teaching that at the University of South Carolina Upstate. She does the first half of the semester, and I do the second half. And I, I told her, I'm like, you're like so much more composed and professional and look like you know what you're doing more than me. Like we're doing the same thing, but you just seem like you know what you're doing more than I am. And I'm like so happy yet kind of sort of intimidated to be here with you. And no, she's super nice. She's super supportive. Mm -hmm. And yeah, it's just, I love her. She's great. <laughs> and then next up is Michael Jackson with an update. Hey, Jason. <clears throat> Since our podcast in Vegas, I was awarded Civilian of the Year by my department. I took over as ICA chair of the mentoring committee. It's been a bit of a learning curve and tough with the new website, so some learning going on there. I created a SharePoint at my department, which is heavily used by our investigators and command staff and and a patrolman, a few people have called it a game changer. I presented at the Leeds Online Conference in Arlington, which I got some pretty good feedback from on that. So all in all, like everything that's happened to me since our podcast has been because I decided to be curious and courageous. And so I encourage all the listeners or analysts and everyone in general that may be listening to Make that your goal in 2023. Be curious. Try and answer that question that's been gnawing at you. Be courageous enough to start that project that you're not sure will work or, and be brave enough to see, see it through to the end. You know, be courageous enough to speak up during your meetings. And yeah, at the end of the day, some things will work. Some things might not work. But at the end of it, I want you to be able to say that you're curious enough and courageous enough, you know, to shoot your shot, right? I don't think you're going to regret it. I know I didn't regret it. I wish everyone a happy holiday and a very, very happy new year. Yeah, what what I really enjoy about Michael is we talked about being unsure of yourself and maybe having imposter syndrome. And, and he admittedly has that, but he doesn't let that hold him back. And that's, I think, fascinating is that he is conscious of the fact that he doesn't have all the answers and may not be fully comfortable of the scenario, but he still progresses and still tries to learn and move forward. And I think that's one of the most impressive things about Michael. Yeah, no, that's super cool. And I just seeing him, like he's such a cool person. He's so confident the way he presents himself. And so I, I wouldn't have known if it wasn't for the podcast, if he didn't just say it, if you didn't tell me, I would be like, wow, this guy is, you know, super confident, knows what he's doing. Like we, we all know that nobody has all the answers, but it, it's also reassuring though, that when someone who is so confident, so up there, but they have that ability to be vulnerable like that, like, Hey, I don't have all the answers. Like, it's okay. We're all learning. We're all in it together. So it's really reassuring. And I'm, I think people Maybe, maybe forgot, maybe remember, whatever, but you and I, you know, we met through mentoring and I think 
I've made it clear how much that program meant to me and to my career. So I'm glad that there's such a strong person leading the program. All right. Next up is Krista White. I recently came across a quote. It says, the most worthwhile thing is to try to put happiness into the lives of others by Robert Baden-Powell. And I was thinking about that because the last couple years have been so negative, so divisive. And I try to do this most every day, but for 2023, I'm going to make it a resolution. So if you see me, hopefully I can make you smile. Hopefully I can make you laugh. And at the end of the day, I hope I can put happiness into your life too. This is Crystal Whitehead, the bourbon analyst. (laughs) Very well done, Krista. When I think back, Krista was at the conferences for years, and I don't think her and I talked until maybe two years ago. I would see her, and we just never took the opportunity to talk to one another. And given the character that she is, I'm really disappointed that we didn't talk sooner. Yeah, I met her for the first time this past conference and had the opportunity to talk to her real quick and thank her for inspiring our new opening. It was not, it's not just coffee with an analyst, it's could be whiskey with an analyst and all these yeah. other things. So, yeah. All right, next up is Randy Stickley. Hey there, nothing too groundbreaking to close up on for 2022. Just wanted to throw it out there that in the little over a month since I spoke with you folks, I actually pursued and received my CICA distinction from ILEA. So that was a pretty distinction to, you know, as a feather into my cap. A little bit after our last discussion, we actually engaged in some training activities providing training and education to some security and intelligence professionals as part of an ongoing project with some clients in South Africa. So that's always been a new challenge, but a really exciting new challenge to work through. And then also coming toward the end of the year, we are closing up our most recent cohort for the National Network of Fusion Center's peer mentorship program. Like I said earlier in the year, this is a little bit of a pilot program, so we're glad to see there are some successes and great metrics that we're getting out of. But not to belabor the point here, I just wanted to kind of close this out by saying I hope you all, as well as any of the listeners, have a had a great 2022, but are going to have an even better, even busier, and even more fruitful 2023. Thank you all very much, and that's it. <laughs> that's Randy, and I... I recommend his episode he has great perspective and probably the most shocking part of his episode is that the bob denver song is not about west virginia <laughs> it's about virginia oh did i, I say bob I, john denver i said bob denver john denver it's not gilligan it's john denver <laughs> i like how i didn't even fix you i was like okay i guess his name's bob now i don't know, <laughs> I don't know who this person is <laughs> I say that as I, you know, live in Colorado. Uh, yeah. I, I like how we started out like, oh, nothing groundbreaking. You know, I just got this certificate that not a lot of people get and <laughs> this pilot program, do all these trainings. Like, okay, like uh, analysts. So, so humble, always downplaying our work, you know, the huge. Yeah. All right. Next up is Kelly Kimsley. I've recently moved sections within the Florida Department of Law Enforcement's Office of Executive Investigations. I am now going to be overall investigative analysis for our Office of Executive Investigations, which is supervising the analysts, the investigative analysts that are in public corruption, election crime, 
professional standards and moving away from customer service, what I've been doing for the past, gosh, it's been about eight years. So I'm really excited to get back into the criminal investigation side as opposed to the complaint review side and um, looking forward to helping out those analysts become better analysts in the investigative field. In 2022, I learned that a comprehensive background investigation on new hires, sworn and non-sworn members are imperative to a law enforcement agency. Past behavior predicts future behavior. So holding strong to our values of service integrity, respect, and quality is essential, especially in these times where we have the great resignation and we're trying to desperately hire new people into law enforcement. We can't hire just to put people in seats. We have to choose wisely or suffer the consequences. And my words of enlightenment are remember who you are and who you represent at all times and makes you be a better you. I hope you have a great holiday season and I will talk to you later. Bye. Oh, all that. See, so she could have just came over and told me that. <laughs> so she's, if you remember, she is my neighbor. We found out that we live about a hundred yards away from one another by bird and so but that's kelly certainly has a big role here at the florida department of law enforcement all right next up is sean Roberon. since my episode with jason aired in may 2021 i was elected the president of the arizona association of crime analysts since i've taken that office our membership has risen to a record high of 180 people and we hosted a training symposium last april for the first time in a very long while. I also presented for the very first time at the IACA conference in Chicago last August, which was equal parts nervous and exciting, but I think it went very well. Something I learned in 2022 is to not be afraid of reaching out and networking with other people and to not be afraid of trying something new and creative. I was able to combine both of those ideas at the IACA conference in Chicago when I had little badge ribbons that said that I met Sean from Arizona. I didn't know how that was going to play out. I thought it might be a fun idea, but was 100% sure. But it turned out to be a really great idea. A lot of people liked it. A lot of people got a little kick out of it. And I was able to meet a lot of other people. And that was a fun little icebreaker to get my, my foot in the door and, and to meet a lot of great analysts. I think that's uh, that's funny that Sean is so, to me, he's so outgoing. And here, he, I, I can't believe that the, in Chicago was his first presentation. I would have thought that he had been presenting for years. Yeah, I was going to comment on that too. For those that don't know Sean, Sean's like, you know, 10 feet tall, super, <laughs> super confident. Hard, hard to miss. Yeah, super confident, super outgoing. I mean, he's the president, you know, of the his local association. So yeah, no, but like I said about Michael's, too earlier it's just like it's reassuring seeing these you know strong confident people also having that vulnerability of being nervous here and there so it's like reassuring for you know the rest of us who are you know not 10 feet tall <laughs> but I also got that little banner for my for my name tag I was really excited to get one I think I like when I saw it I like try to track down Sean I'm like Sean I want one give me one give me two <laughs> All right. Very good. Before we get to our last one, I wanted to give two updates from folks that didn't send an audio, but just sent me an email. Matt Harris, who longtime analyst at Sonoma County Sheriff's Office, is moved on to Santa Rosa Police Department. So I will be looking forward to catching up with Matt in the future to see how that transition has gone for him. 
and the other one is from David Karens. Talking with David was fascinating, getting his perspective from when he was a CIA analyst and his work on mass shootings. His episode is a very powerful episode. It's actually one of the only two episodes that we actually recorded the video of. So if you're, you can actually watch our interview on YouTube, the entire episode there. But it was fascinating to talk with David and he has continued to work on the governor's commission to investigate the Virginia Beach mass shootings. His words that he would like to say to all intelligence analysts is that you will never get rich, but the job satisfaction is tremendous. He would like to remind all intelligence analysts that they have the honor and privilege to have access to sensitive and classified information pertaining to the safety of this country and its citizens. Do not abuse or misuse that privilege. Be honest, objective, and let the evidence guide your conclusions, no matter what your politics, bias, or preconceptions. So that is from David. If you ever have a chance to listen to him talk at the ILEA conference, I highly recommend it. It's a fascinating lecture that he does every year at the ILEA conference. Okay, so last but certainly not least, is Don Reby. This is Don Reby from Excellence in Analytics, and I have just had a wonderful year watching so many analysts and supervisors step up to their next level selves. I've seen them participate in growth throughout the year that has been exceptional to watch. I love seeing people succeed, and thank you to all of you who've given me the opportunity to really see your growth and be part of your journey. I wanted to share something with you that as as a as an analyst leader of my own life, I, I have been learning in 2022 and I'm going to bring in 2023. So I, I've really been craving, and maybe you can relate to this, calm, ease, and peace for quite some time. I find myself jumping from thought to thought about what peace looks like. What am I losing in creating that peace? What hard work becomes undone. Right? And, and what I'm starting to learn and what I'm going to really bring into 2023 is that this cloudy way of thinking is really based on fear and ego. Shifting practices into simple ease and joy is what I desire and probably a lot of you all desire too. And in doing so, I lose nothing. Simplicity does not equal ordinary. In fact, I'm slowly realizing that simplicity is indicative of extraordinary. Wow. Leave it to Dodd. I'm often told that I'm always thinking, I'm always thinking about next steps, and I, I, I do that. I, I constantly am thinking about what's next, and I can't turn it off. And I think in a way, she's the same way in terms of just the whole mind-body improvement that she has. And it's... I don't think she can turn it off even if she wanted to. It's just this constant need to improve and to listen to her and the 
the, the fascinating work that she's doing and helping so many analysts. It's really great. Yeah, definitely. And like we talked about before, like what she's talking about, all the things that our guests have talked about, like it's intangible and it's not something you learn on like in class or on the job, like you learn more tangible skills and programs like Excel, you know, access Tableau and all that stuff. But it's important to consider the interpersonal impacts and emotional intelligence, like those kind of lessons that impacts your career as well. And I, I don't know if this is embarrassing. I don't, I don't know how to like stop it or I should take you know, some of Don's classes, but <laughs> I'm actually on the opposite end with what you and Don, you know, you're saying is like, I kind of dwell on the past a lot. Like for me, I'm like, did I take all the right classes? Should I have majored in this? Should I have done that? Like, I don't know how many people play games that like listen to our show, but for me, sometimes I feel like, did I put all my skill points into like the wrong trait? Like, can I reset my character sheet? Like, can I do this again? But yeah. yeah. Hmm. That's what, yeah, that's what we need to do. We need to have Dungeons and Dragons analyst edition. <laughs> like, where would you put your skill points? Like, obviously, like, you put it more in, like, you know, intelligence, charisma, wisdom. Like, where do you put it in? Like, what's more important? Yeah. No, that's that would be a fascinating game is to evaluate each skill level of law enforcement analysis. So, huh. <laughs> but, yeah, well, maybe that's something we'll do in 2023. Speaking of 2023, do you have any final words as we wrap up this episode and we are about to begin the new year? But I keep saying before and all these other wrap-ups, like, thank you again for all your support throughout the year. Like, I'm always in disbelief. Like, are we going to make it through this year? Is this a year where, like, we have our final episode? Like, are, are we going to keep going? Like, what, what's going to be next? Like, how can we keep improving? And it's just, you know, good news for our fans and supporters. I don't, there's no talk of slowing down. So we're going to keep going. So thank you again for your support. Keep tuning in for new episodes every week. There are a ton of voices out there still to be heard. Dallas alone has a hundred analysts. So that would take us two years to get through all the Dallas analysts by themselves. So there's still many stories, perspectives, and words of encouragement. And so we will continue to do that until we don't, right? I guess the guy at work always tells me, is like, that'll work until it doesn't. So I guess that's what we'll do. We'll we'll have a show every Monday until we don't. I wonder how long that would be. It would like, would it be like till I'm at your age, you know, where you are now? <laughs> like, how much longer will there be like a new me, you know, in however many years? Like, I wonder how long uh, we yeah. this going. Like, I don't <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Well, see, that's what you should do. You should take over for me. That's what I should be training you to do. It should be <laughs> Alice Talk with Mindy Yoon. <laughs> If you have somebody in mind that you think would be great for the show, please let us know. I know I don't know everybody out there that's a law enforcement analyst, so please feel free to make suggestions. And I really hope in 2023 that somebody solves the Easter egg riddle. And I thought it was going to be that hard. And Mindy said, Jason, that is really hard. And I'm like, really? I don't think it's that hard. Obviously, it's really hard. That or people aren't trying because we have not 
had anybody give even give a guess as to what the Easter eggs are. And for those that have no idea what we're talking about, in the IACA textbook, I wrote a article on Microsoft Excel. I put in a series of Easter eggs in that chapter. And I thought it was going to be at least reasonable to that people would figure it out. But as I mentioned, it's really difficult. And so I will give props to Jim Mallard. Jim Mallard did give it a go. And I'm not sure where he ended up, but he did not end up giving a guess. So as I mentioned, I will give a Amazon gift card. Is it 20 or $25? Do you remember? I think it was 25, but it's 25. Maybe, maybe you should up it. Maybe people maybe, will be more. Yeah, expensive. maybe I should do it with inflation. Get it. But I mean, we're all, we're supposed to be, analysts are supposed to be all these problem solvers and puzzle solvers. I thought, geez, this is a nice puzzle for people to try to solve. And so far, no luck at all. So maybe in 2023, we will have somebody that solves the Easter egg. Are you going to give like any hints? Or it's just... I thought about different hints, and I, I I don't think I have a perfect one. It's either one that's not going to help at all or one that's going to totally give it away, so, right? And I will say this. It has to do with a table, and you, will at, you should ask the question, why did he select this data? That would be my hint. Yeah, that's a, that's a good hint that... I don't think gives too much away for people who are wondering, I like Jason just told me because I couldn't figure it out either. I just kept <laughs> staring at it. And I was like, and when he told me, I was like, really? Like, <laughs> I, how, how, you know, so just to let people know how hard it was, but yeah, I, I don't know. It's a, or, or maybe it's an ongoing thing where it just never gets solved until our very last episode. You know what you should do? Yeah. Just see how, so every month that it doesn't get solved, just like add like 50 cents or like a dollar and just see how large this will <laughs> get. It's going to get to a point where it's like, you know, $200 and people still can't figure it out. <laughs> yeah, but it shouldn't be about the money. David just, Garrett just told us it's not about getting rich. It's about the adventure, right? So I shouldn't have to put a huge dollar amount on this for people to get it solved. So. <laughs> but again, Mindy, thank you for being with me on this journey, helping me out. Thank you to Jennifer, who does all of our awesome memes and our social media. Thank you to Kathleen Allen and Alexis Lopez, who are researchers for LEA Podcast. Thank you to Paige Kenningale, who has the New Horizons ACIA podcast. Thank you to Seth Potts, who has the Small Steps tutorial videos. And thank you all for being with us this year and into next year. It's, it's a lot of fun doing this. I, I really enjoy talking with people each and every week and learning different aspects of who they are and what they contributed. I look forward to doing this again all next year. So just like always, I guess I'll finish with Mindy and I have given you just enough to talk bad about us later, but I do appreciate you all 
thank you so much and you all be safe it's supposed to be badly Thank you for making it to the end of another episode of Analyst Talk with Jason Elder. You can show your support by sharing this and other episodes found on our website at www.leapodcasts.com. If you have a topic you would like us to cover or have a suggestion for our next guest, please send us an email at leapodcasts at gmail.com. Till next time, analysts, keep talking.